Welcome to Sprinkle with Hope podcast and your host Shane. Today we have our guest Meredith Alexander. She really gives some incredible insight into things that she's learned through struggles and trials that she's been faced with. Please listen in. This is really a, a very interesting and intriguing discussion with her. Yes, we really are grateful for Meredith coming on with us. And, you know, we we have met some really incredible people. And this is another story of just uh, miraculous miracles that happened in her life and in her daughter's life of, uh, you know, that, that could have ended in tragedy, but didn't. Um, and so take a listen in and, and see what those boulders are that are in your life that you can remove or step over or, or whatever it be to continue on your path. And we really, really, truly are grateful for each one of you that listen to us and, and that are able to gain more hope in your life from listening to each one of these messages. And we, you know, Shane and I have launched our course, which some of you may or may not be familiar with, but um, if you get this, we do offer a, um, a 10% discount to anybody that listens to this and goes to our podcast. Um, and so you are able to get that uh, freely by just putting in it the code podcast 10. And so if you put that in there um, as a code, when you check out, you'll get 10% off of your course and we would love to have you take it here we go meredith welcome to the sprinkled with hope podcast Welcome to Sprinkle with Hope podcast and your host Shane. And today we have seriously an amazing guest. Meredith Alexander has gone through a lot of things in her life. Um, really, she had her, her daughter actually had an accident a few years ago. It really changed her life and her and Meredith's. And so we're going to talk about that today and really how, how moments in life can change your life. But in some ways, they could be tragic moments that happen. But you can turn it around to be a really positive thing. And so uh, Meredith will find out that Jason and I love to talk about the positive. And so we'll focus on those things, of course, um, learning and those, those things that you have learned throughout the course. So Meredith, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited that you are joining us. I am super excited to be here. And uh, don't worry, the, the positivity works just well with me perfectly. <laughs> Very good. So for those people who don't know this story of you and your daughter, just give us a high level, um, just what happened. And, and then we'll talk about things that you've learned from that experience. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a glorious afternoon a Friday afternoon and February 19th, 2016. And I was buzzing through my life as a single mom, entrepreneur, um, chasing about 40 gazillion things at one time and um, trying to pretend that I was achieving any of them without driving myself <laughs> into the ground, right? And um, so I was just getting to the point where S Skylar was my youngest and she had 
She was the last to have graduated. All of my kids were out into the world, uh, very much on their way to doing amazing things. Sky was, uh, had graduated from Yale. So she had decided to spend the year on a Yale fellowship in South America, working with the native populations, doing things like building a school and working on the farms or with weaving. And uh, she was going to do that for an entire year. So she had completed one portion of it. She'd actually built a school in Peru and come home for Christmas and, and now was headed back to the second leg, which was also in Peru, going to be with this small little village of weaving women. Well, as a bonding experience with her soon-to-be boss, who was her sister's age, the two young women decided to go to Colombia for a couple of weeks and take it in, rappel down waterfalls, do all kinds of extraordinary things, live in yurts. Um, and lo and behold, the, the day before they were leaving, they set up this wonderful whitewater rafting expedition, went over the incredibly treacherous part and um, came to this beautiful little grotto um, where they had the opportunity to jump off a ledge and swim. Um, Skylar, of course, being the daredevil that she was, <laughs> um, was probably the first in the, in the water. No one will confirm that for me, but I just know. Um, and the entire, she inspired the entire group to climb up this treacherous cliff, get to the, the ledge, jump off. And of course, once you've done it once, you have to do it again, right? Of course. <laughs> yes. And so they're making their way up the second or the third time. And somehow in the midst of all of this, as Sky was following the leader behind some people, someone in front of her, their foot slipped and it dislodged a boulder and the boulder came catapulting down, cracked open her skull, knocked her off of the cliff onto the rocks below and left her with, as her friend Dana shared with me, a laundry list of injuries, four of them typically fatal. So I got this call at 3.15 in the afternoon on a Friday. And um, it, it, you know, <laughs> my world changed in that, in that instant, as you, as you can imagine. And so what followed from there was very, very, very surreal on one level. And on the other level, as things began to unfold, um, there was definitely a layer of what I can only call magic. Mm. The, the, that which is, is beyond yeah. control that seems to have a stronger, more powerful vision of where this is all going and why even some of the things that had occurred before this had occurred almost as a prelude, as a setup for this. So it became on so many levels, um, the defining moment of, I think, both of our lives for very different reasons. Um, and the immediate result was that I, of course, reached out to my family. A few hours later, my other daughter and I were heading to get a plane. My son was going to stay here in the state um, to, to manage things. 
we got to the Tampa airport. They turned us away. Thank you very much, American Airlines. Um, <laughs> let's say what? Um, yeah, just a note, if you happen to be in an environment when someone is dying, do not try to board an American Airlines 45 minutes before the flight. They will not let you. <laughs> My goodness. So, Oh, yes. Even knowing the situation, uh, that was wow, interesting. Wow. However, it gave us the opportunity to drive to Miami as a family and really kind of soak things in and um, still make the flight to Bogota. Uh, and then there was yet another flight to a teeny tiny little city that I to this day still cannot pronounce in Colombia. And from there, there was a four and a half hour drive to the little hospital where Skylar was, but, um, that ended up, that ended up being magical. That to me was where the miracle started was up at 30,000 feet because, um, that was where I really had to ask myself some powerful questions and other really difficult things that I lived through in my life had propelled me to really um, dive deeply into the inner game and what makes some people emerge from a crisis as a bigger, bolder version of themselves, right? And um, yeah, so I yeah. really just ravenously kind of consumed information about that and, 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 and played with it in my own life. I've been a huge... Um, admirer of the work of um, Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks, and had learned so much from them, been in their hot seat like four times. And um, so as I sat on that plane, I started asking myself some new questions. And it was there that I made the decision that I may not be able to control the outer game, but I sure as heck could play a mean inner game. And that was all I had. None of my branding and marketing and entrepreneurial <laughs> stuff were gonna help me then. It was, um, and, and because the worst feeling of all was feeling powerless to help my daughter. There were a lot of awful emotions, but the feeling that I didn't have the capability of doing anything, that was, that was drawing the line. That was not acceptable. And the only place that seemed to have any promise of power was in that inner game and it was either true or it wasn't and i was about to find out yeah and i think you know if i correct me if i'm wrong but you kind of talk about um you know these different boulders in our lives that kind of you know cause us to you know to overcome some of those things that may seem impossible and so can you kind of speak to that a little bit and you know just how, you know, uh, I can only imagine what you were kind of going through at that point, because I can't even, you know, I don't even know what I would do in that situation. And, um, but I agree with you, I think a lot of it does have to come from our mind and overcoming these obstacles or these boulders that are in our life that, that might, we might not be expecting, right? Yeah. So I think there are a few critical points. Um, the most important thing that I discovered 
along the way was that it has to be believable. If there, there were two really critical questions I had to ask myself, and I believe that everyone should ask when they're facing a crisis. And the first is, what can I control? The second is, what can I believe? What can my mind believe right now? And so the, the mission was to find believable thoughts, to ask myself some new questions that could help me get to a place where I was able to shift from seeing only the impossible possibilities and to seeing the, the I'm possible as more probable than the impossible. And that began for me, um, and I think it begins for a lot of people by looking around for evidence at other people's lives, other examples that may be there. And so for me, the question, the first question was, okay, had anyone else ever achieved something that everybody else said was impossible? Well, that was kind of a giggle because clearly I was flying through the sky and something that had been considered impossible for the majority of humanity, right. right? So clearly someone, one person has done something that used to be impossible. And as I looked through that, there are many, many, many other um, examples of that. And same thing with looking at miracles, had miracles ever occurred? Absolutely. I mean, Hollywood tells renditions of miracles all the time, right? So it was inching my way with one thought that made me feel a little bit better and then a little bit better until I could inch my way from that horrible kind of tornado of despair to even a little bit of hope. And then from a little bit of hope to an inkling of belief um, but even belief has some chinks in it. So I still had to keep going from there. And the only way I can describe it is that as I began to, began to really relax into this and risk imagining the I'm possible, because it does take a risk because like, we're conditioned to, to assess things quote unquote, realistically. In other words, how many, how many shoes can possibly drop? The entire shoe store, I think, is possible, right? So I had to risk relaxing into this and really imagining the I'm possible. What could this look like? And what, as I began to do that, it felt as if I almost was lifted up, moved about five years in the future, and shown that everything would be fine, whatever the new fine would be. And then one of those little men in black things were like, and put me back. So I didn't know the details, but all I had left was the feeling that everything's going to be fine, whatever the new fine will be. And it was a feeling of such knowing in the form of expectation that it became as, as, odd as this may sound, impossible to conceive that life would not conform to that vision. Yeah, that's does that really make good. sense? It does. Yeah. So um, you had mentioned the inner game. I'm mm -hmm. guessing some of the stuff that you've just been talking about in this last little 
it, it applies to that inner game that you're talking about. So I'm curious how, if somebody's struggling with their inner game, mm. what are some ways that you have found that we can uh, compensate for that or overcome that and, and make our inner game stronger? Well, like anything you're trying to strengthen, it does require practice. And that is, that is a big acknowledgement that, I mean, it took a lot of practice for us to have faith in the things that torture us, right? In other words, we have faith that if someone comes, is diagnosed with stage four cancer, they're probably not going to make it. So are, we've had, we have faith in some things that are very uncomfortable and yet we've not been conditioned to have that same level in faith of faith in the reality of miracles being totally accessible through our inner game. So first of all, um, we're gonna have to practice in order to get there. Little steps for little feet, right? And so um, I think it begins with being willing to understand some of this, right? Because if you jump, like the, the formula that I teach has three elements. And what I hear, so the, the first is really this identification piece where you get super clear, crystal clear on where you are and who you are right now and where you want to go, why you want to go there, what's naturally propelling you there and what might be slowing down your momentum. The second element is the reboot and recalibration. And this is where you look at those things that have been getting in your own way. Where have you been showing up as your own worst enemy? Where have you been settling for less than an optimal personal empowerment system? I mean, it's not enough to know your negative triggers. You really need to understand what your positive triggers are and really stack them up, learn to create a system that'll get you to those goals, right? And then the final element is the unleash. And these are pure outer game sort of things. And it could be something professional with your career. This is where you apply the marketing, the branding, all that kind of stuff. But it's also where a lot of the actual activities and exercises such as gratitude or you know making those kind of lists. But if you skip to the unleash before understanding the identify and the recalibrate you're taking your this is you know to quote esther hicks you take yourself with you wherever you go right so you're still taking those objections and those weird perspectives into that unleashed process so i think that it's um yes um to me writing you know being grateful can touches on so many things that are really critical to our inner game. However, the derailer is they have to be believable to you. It goes back to where are you really focused? So, so for example, if I'm writing a, a gratitude list at the end of the day, and I'm writing something that resembles my grocery list, that is, well, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful to have a job. I'm grateful for um, my house. I'm grateful for my health. My focus is 
is evident by my emotions. I'm not feeling like, wow, I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting goosebumps from that list. In fact, if I am executing a gratitude list because I think that this will bring a desired outcome that I don't have right now, my focus, in other words, what I'm feeding energetically is that which I do not have right now. So guess what? The gratitude list is going to kind of work against you a little bit. Whereas if you really show up with a gratitude list, that's like, um, I am so grateful for this crazy little dog that barks in the middle of the night, but every time I freaking come in the door, no matter how grumpy and how mean I am, this dog tilts her little head, wags her tail, and just makes me freaking melt. I am grateful for this piece of art that is okay to some people it might be kind of ugly on the wall but to me I found it in this little shop I remember where I found it I remember how I I I debated whether I should get it and then bringing it home and putting it on the wall and you know I don't look at it all the time but every time I, I walk by there it still resonates with me right I mean you can feel the emotion in that and when your emotion is focusing on things that please you things that are in, to your words, that positivity zone, you are feeding that. That's the antithesis of kind of that blind spot thinking. So I think it's really, 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 if you're starting out and you're bumping against up against things, uh, I have an acronym, which is ACT, A-C-T. A is to be aware of where your focus is, be aware of your inner narrative. So, or, or your outer narrative for that matter too. So a, another example, um, most people who come to me, who, who work with me, come to me and within a few minutes have said something like this. Um, my biggest challenge is figuring out the how of what to do next, right? And so I will ask them, okay, what do you, and let's just look at the words here. What do you think is the most powerful word in that sentence? Want to guess? Oh, I put you on the spot. <laughs> it is a trick question. So, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so let me jump in. I'm going to let you off the hook here. We'll take okay. you on the little, you know, scary, tricky question tour here. So um, the word challenge definitely is powerful, right? Because most of us have all kinds of associations of struggle and, and oh my God, I've tried it so many times and the last time I tried it didn't work. And um, oh my God, it's going to be hard. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I want to do it, right? All of those little invisible stories. And even if you're someone who, who believes that you are exhilarated by the word challenge, if you were exhilarated in this circumstance, you would not have picked that word when you were describing it to me. So yes, challenge is a rough one, but then you amplify it by using biggest. So in other words, I have a lot of challenges, but the biggest one is this particular challenge. However, as they say on those 
what home shopping networks, but wait, there's more, right? <laughs> you put my in front of it. Notice the statement was not the biggest challenges. It is my biggest challenge, mine. And of course we fight for what is ours. We fight for our concept of who we are, our identity, right? That is mine. That is like my arm, right? So when an opportunity comes to me, if, if the opportunity is coming to the me whose biggest challenge is figuring out the how of what to do next, then I am going to respond as the me whose biggest challenge is figuring out the how of what to do next, right? So, because that's part of my identity, how I identify myself. However, as powerful as all three of those words are, the most powerful word in this sentence is the one that we pay absolutely no attention to. The word is, because is makes it fact. It's a declaration, it's truth with all capital letters, which we don't even think of questioning ever. It becomes the programming code for our subconscious and of how we create going forward, right? We don't even realize it's there. It is what it is, right? And it's the one real dun, 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 variation <laughs> of the truth, right? So, the obvious next question of that is, but wait, it is true. It is real, right? I really do have this, I have this challenge. This is my challenge. Are you telling me, you know, after all we've shared to go stand in front of a freaking mirror and say, I am a money magnet when I owe $100,000 and my mind is going, have you checked your bank account recently? We must not be looking at the same one, right? Um, not at all. But it is to, again, become aware that there are other variations of reality that you have stopped seeing that is in the blind spot because of your expectations and your faith in what this situation will roll out to be. So for example, how does my focus is figuring out the how of my next book step forward? That's a lot easier. That feels like, oh, okay, there's a there's potential here, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Even better, I'm committed to figuring out the how and my next big step forward. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Same variation, but this one is like, I am freaking figuring this out so you might as well give it to me because i'm figuring it out right right you see and so it's learning to be aware of what are your present tense statements what are you making them mean and what are the clues that your emotions are giving you when you say them if your emotions are feeling heavy you're probably focusing on the lack of the presence of what you want and feeding something that you don't intend to be feeding right yeah i i really appreciate the fact that you've gone through this really tough struggle challenge that you were faced with in your life and you've turned it around and you've created this positive um, thing you you had mentioned you talked to people about it so you're helping others um, go through their struggles and trials in their lives. So I commend you for that. 
Um, near the end of the podcast, Jason and I have come up with what we call the double down dose. Love it. I, I have a question for you. And then Jason will ask you the last question. Sure. So Meredith, you know, our, our podcast is sprinkled with hope. And so we talk a lot about hope and it's really important to us, but how would you define hope? Mm. Gosh, I love that question. And there's so many ways that I would <laughs> answer this. Um, to me, hope is the opportunity to embrace the delicious invitation to be fully and completely human and alive. It is to embrace that the boulders that are out there Yes, they may give us some scars, but our scars ultimately have the potential to cry out that we were mightier than the freaking boulders that tried to yeah. bring us down. It's the opportunity to discover who we are, especially in the face of adversity, and to dream and to do things that we previously thought were impossible on our terms and to have a heck of a lot of time, fun in the process. I love it. That was great. <laughs> You've dropped a lot of really cool nuggets and and hopefully those that are listening really do pay attention to those. We've we've talked about what we identify with, you know, then becomes what we are. And so I I really enjoyed that, you know, that uh piece that you were talking about. And so the second part of the double down dose for you is what is your definition of love or how would you define it? Mm, um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we find this trips everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I love, I love, no, I love, I love this question. Oh, well, I love, love is this question. <laughs> Oh, I found it. Um, you know, uh, love to me is the language of life. Love is love is the moments that definitely take your breath away and that bring tears of joy. Love is also um, that the deep, rich courage that it takes to be completely vulnerable and i.e. vulnerable in this beautiful way of being willing, willing to be fully alive. And love is um, feeling the joy in the fact that we live in a world of duality where it's not just those moments that take our breath away that uh, create who we are, but that sometimes that bigger even better version of ourselves are created by the moments that knock the wind out of us. So mm -hmm. love is having the courage to throw your arms wide, be you, own your greatness and understand that your greatness combined with everybody else's greatness is what creates the magic that keeps the world deliciously unfolding, I think. That's awesome. 
That's really cool. Meredith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we have really enjoyed this discussion. I think there is a lot of things that you have given not only our listeners, but Jason and I to really think and ponder as we um, are faced with our boulders in life. We're all going to be faced with them. And so we just have to uh, navigate through those. And I think you've given, a, given us some great advice. Um, just in, in closing, how can our listeners get in contact with you if they'd like to? Sure. Um, well, I would encourage anyone who would like to um, get into contact with me uh, not to be shy. Do it, do it, do it. Reach out. I'm on um, social media. And if you happen to be in a place where you are facing your own boulder, where you, or even if your boulder looks something like you had this vision of where you thought your life would be when you were in your 20s and 30s and 40s and now you're waking up and finding out that you're not where you want to be or maybe you are where you would plan to be but it doesn't feel like you thought it would feel if you feel like it's time for you to quest for more then i would like to offer anyone who's listening to share a 20 minute strategy session with me. I will uh, do my best to share with you some insights, some ideas, uh, whatever it is that you might need, whatever I can give you in 20 minutes. And the way that you would um, connect with me for that would be to go to bit.ly, which is bit.ly forward slash go epic now and i will share with you guys the link for that but again that's bit.ly forward slash go epic now and i would love to have a 20-minute conversation with anyone who is facing a freaking boulder right now well thank you for that offer that's very kind of you again thank you so much for your time today Marith. we really appreciate it truly my pleasure i've loved it yeah that's you had some great great advice and i really do hope that people you know, listen to some of the, what you've said, you know, and use it in their lives. Cause I think that we all have different boulders and it literally could be a boulder physically, or, you know, it could be something else that's getting in our way of, of really us reaching our, our full potential that um, really, I don't think any of us know what that full potential even looks like. Um, but that we, you know, tend to get in our own way. <laughs> Yeah. Um, from, from reaching it. So, so thank you so much for coming on with us today, Meredith. It's been, it's really been a pleasure. So. Thank you so much. I have loved it. And thank you guys for, for doing this show filled with hope. It's just, it's wonderful. So keep going strong guys. <laughs> you best believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. 